0: You are listening to the Antler and Feather Co. podcast. All right. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another Antler and Feather Co. podcast, the podcast for new and adult onset hunters. My name's Vince, and this is a podcast where I, an unexperienced hunter, bring on people who do know a thing or two about hunting. And as I ask them questions and learn new things, I just want to pass them right along to you guys. So, it's been a great week off. Um, I took a little rotation from the podcast, and unfortunately, I don't have any antlers to show for it, but I was able to put down a very large dough. So, I was able to fill my freezer with nice, clean meat, and I couldn't be more thankful for that. Um, One thing I will just say make sure your fitness is in check. You don't have to do a lot to maintain your fitness, but once it's gone, it's gone. And dragging a deer out of the woods is no joke. My back and my legs are smoked, but. I got the back straps. I'm happy. So before we hop into it, I want to tell you guys about buzzard roost saddles. They are the most comfortable, most adjustable saddles on the market. They can handle anything you throw at them while maintaining comfort. So you can hang in a tree all day long comfortably. It's amazing. They're the greatest saddles I've ever tried out. Um, They are very supportive of law enforcement, first responders, military, and they're made in America and Louisiana. So I don't think you guys need to hear any more. Use code AAFP10 and get yourself 10% off your very own buzzard roost saddle. Also, check out our friends over at Spartan Forge. Bill has built the most comprehensive mapping and movement prediction app that the hunting industry has ever seen. Um, the maps are unreal. The new 3D mapping you put out is just nuts. And the fact that it's right on your phone is awesome. The Intel side, uh, basically, they have a bunch of data, a bunch of data, from GPS collared deer. So it's not going to tell you what days to hunt. It's just going to tell you what the deer are probably going to be doing on the days that you do go out. Um, It's been just invaluable for me. Um, It's it's just a wonderful tool for especially a new hunter to have in the woods with you. If you want to try it out, you can try it out free. And then when you want to move up to the big leagues, use code AFCO. Use it online on their website. It'll get you 20% off your subscription. All right, guys, so now back to the good stuff. Um, I would never tell this week's guest this to his face, but he is one of my best buddies, and I've known him for many, many years, dating way back into high school, which is way further back than I'd like to think about. Um, He is a newer hunter like I am. Um, I think he's been hunting for a year or so longer than I have, but our paths differ. When he got into hunting, um, he basically went straight into the private land side of it, and when I started, I went into the public land side of it, um, so our strategies and the things that we've learned over the last few years have been very different. So I wanted to bring him on to just kind of talk about his perspective um and experiences as a newer hunter in the world of private land management versus mine, which is public land. So please welcome to the show. My good buddy Tom Leachmeyer Leach. What's going on, man? <laughs>
1: How's it going?
0: It's going pretty good. Hey, uh, so I wanted to start off the show with you. Are there any wind apps that you are endorsing? <laughs> I I know the rut's Weather. going on, and I know that you've had great experiences with the different apps telling you wind direction. So tell us a little bit about your love for wind direction apps.
1: Yeah, weather.com, uh, no sponsorship, but uh, yeah, they're on top of things. A hundred percent, right? Two uh, percent of the time. <laughs> so
0: kind of let everybody know, I already know this guys cause Tom and I live close to each other. So we're always talking hunting. What happened the other day?
1: Yeah. So I was out and, uh, you know, I've done a lot of research this year, trying to plan stands accordingly and make sure I go in on the best wind days. And I got myself in there for a, you know, Northwest wind stand, uh, got in the stand, got everything unloaded, sat there, did some grunts, did some, uh, you know rattling in that and i said man my my face is starting to feel pretty cold here <laughs> and uh sure enough you know got out the milkweed and let one go and straight south looked at all the apps to double check i was you know i wasn't going crazy and every single one of them i've looked at was northwest 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 and uh that wasn't the case and uh <laughs> Sure enough, I'm sitting there, and we get a good one coming in, and, uh, you know, good eight-pointer. I see him down low, and I said, oh, this should be good, and sits there, starts walking for it a little bit, and then uh, next thing, you know, he jets off. So, pretty sure, sure he def- definitely winded me.
0: <laughs> Are you sure? Are you positive? Uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: pretty- Pretty positive, uh, (laughs) a little, little grunt and a little, uh, little wheeze and took off. So,
0: yeah, I, it, Tom hunts like some people hunt. I mean, people hunt hard. Um, and Tom has a family and a job and everything else, like, like most of us do. And, and for a dude that's got all these responsibilities, he hunts very hard and he does a ton, a ton, a ton of research We'll get into it later, some of the things that he's done. um most of us rely on like Spartan Forge or Onyx or um, yeah, most of us do that, but Tom has gone a a whole nother level, and like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah it was it was heartbreaking when you're like, big one, big one, big one, and then nothing. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no.
1: yeah, perfect, perfect Northwest setup too, where you had to come up the side of a ridge there was no way he was going to come up where, where, uh, you know, that Northwest wind was going to go and yeah. sure enough, on the South wind coming at me. I, I knew I should, probably should have packed it up instead of waited it out, but yeah. Well,
0: if you would have had lesson you, learned. Yeah. If you would have had a uh, scent free wipes on you, you might've been able to get away with it. I heard that. Yeah. Heard that those, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's a, it's a great example of just a lesson learned and like, you know it's it's totally unpredictable. The wind switches and- uh swirls, and no matter what the the apps say there's always prevailing winds um but it it can't tell you what's happening in your particular tree, and that's a frustrating part because the rest of your property could have been blowing the way it was supposed to go, but just in that area, depending on the setup swirls that wind and you're screwed and there's really nothing you can do about it but so you were mentioning in Illinois, um, the gun hunt starts this weekend. Um, what kind of yep. concerns do you have with that? I know you've, you've been having some during the rut, you've been having some pretty big boys come in on your trail cams. Um, but you're kind of sandwiched around a lot of public or a lot of private land that gets hunted pretty hard. Um, are you concerned? Or are you feeling pretty good about it either way? Do you have kind of a strategy going into that weekend or?
1: Uh, you know. I will say basically all the stuff I'm learning you know trial and error and just watching a lot of videos you know taking little bits from everybody I see and trying to you know piece it together as best as I can you know and yeah I have a few few strategies for it you know I know um we had mentioned kind of talk you know just discussing among us just it might be a good idea to go sit see what you know happens um I don't really take part in gun season um just personally it's not as fun for me i got kind of big into archery and that's kind of my jam now i just you know i like slinging arrows and uh yeah so i I might sit out in illinois i know we can sit um as long as we have a gun tag we can sit um with archery you know blaze orange everything but you know we can actually still archery hunt um so I might do that and see kind of, you know, what the guys behind me, you know, pressure my direction. So kind of my game plan. Um so we'll we'll kind of see what happens. But yeah, like you were mentioning, I do have uh I don't want to say like a uh you know, cookie cutter private land guys next to me, but you know, the redneck blinds set up everywhere and I mean, their food plots are acres versus my little tiny you know, kill plots. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of dependent upon, you know, their evening food source, you know, hitting something between property I hunt on the way out to food. So,
0: yeah, you kind of mentioned that they typically are more of uh it's more of a gun season property. Like, like you're saying there's, you know, jacked up trucks everywhere during that time. Now your guys is, uh gun season's a little bit different than ours i think you guys have this weekend and then it is off and then is it the following weekend like it's yeah, not like it's... two straight weeks correct
1: no yep yep so it's this this weekend uh, i want to say like thursday friday saturday or something like that i'm not 100 percent sure don't quote me but um and then they have a muzzle loader season too mm. and i think that's the second firearm season i could be wrong but i do know I mean, the property that's behind me, they're, you know, they're big on muzzle loaders, um, just because, uh, you know, just kind of seeing their aerial setup of what they have. It, I'm not sure how, you know, the, the distance that they have where the deer are coming out into these plots. Yeah, I I would say that they're more geared towards muzzle loader and shooting longer distances.
0: Yeah, classic Orange Army.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: My my biggest hope for you is that they just scare the living shit out of all of those bucks that may be betting that direction and just push them all onto your land. Because with the way your land's set up and with the way that their blinds are set up, like there's really nowhere else for those deer to go. I mean, I guess further down to, I don't know what direction is right off the top of my head, maybe they could sneak out a side route but it kind of seems like your land is going to be like the best safe haven for them. So, I'm hoping I'm hoping, you know, at least a couple big ones come on. It'd be nice if Bruce came back. Guys, Bruce is um a deer Tom's been following for a few years. It was kind of the first kind of your first big buck that showed up, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was kind of the first big buck and uh to be honest, I didn't really care a whole lot about, you know, shooting bucks or trying to shoot bucks up until Yeah, I wanna say he showed up and then I said, Oh, hey, this property does, you know, have some some big guys getting passed through here. And uh yeah, so I've been following him for a two year, two and a half years maybe.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of is is was that moment when you first saw him or first started seeing him a few times. I feel like that was maybe the catalyst for you to take your land management a little more seriously. I feel like before you were just, I mean, Tom's a doe slayer, guys. Tom can kill a doe better than anybody <laughs> I know. But I feel like when Bruce started showing up, um, that's when you really started looking into food plots, um, looking at what you can do to trail systems and things like that to try to set it up, um, to make it a nicer place for him to come through. And uh, you've done a lot, of, a lot of great work to it, and I think it's really shown this year because you've had numerous big bucks and not just like okay two three-year-olds like you've had some legitimate mature bucks come through there and I think that's a testament to all the work that you've put into that land so I want to get into a little bit um like I said we don't have to get super scientific about it if if you know we'll see where it goes but I want to talk about kind of what you've done to your land to make to make the improvements that have drawn those bucks in um, before we get to that guys we're gonna go ahead and say a prayer real quick, and then we will jump into food plots and all the sweet stuff Tom's done to his land. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you for another day. I thank you for um, another opportunity to to praise you, to worship you. I thank you that um, you came down, um, you put on flesh, you stood in my place, um, you took the nails, you took the cross, and you took the punishment that. Um, we all deserve. Because of that, um, like I say every week, because of that, we can have a relationship with you. We can have a relationship with the Father. So I just ask that you would use this podcast to first and foremost glorify yourself. Um, I also thank you for Tom and for Tom's time and coming on here to talk to us about all the cool stuff he's done to his land. Um, And just for everyone that's followed along on Instagram, Lord, I want to publicly thank you for um, just the absolute miracle um, that you've been working in my brother's life, um, he's making improvements at, at speeds that doctors just don't understand how. Um, and I think all of those who, all of us who have been praying for him, we know how. Um, the answer is not found in any medical book. Um, the answer is you. And so I thank you. Um, we all continue to pray for Billy, um, for for a full recovery for Billy. And you are you will be glorified through this. So I just want to thank you for all that. I want to ask that you be over the rest of this conversation, uh, make it full of uh, just entertainment, make it fruitful, make it fun. And um, I thank you for everything. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. So jumping into food plots, like I said, when Bruce kind of showed up a few years ago, that's when I noticed you actually start taking your land seriously. before that you were just kind of hunting the land as it laid weren't you
1: yeah correct um yeah not to get too specific on it but it was kind of a um
0: i'll give you the guys the address in the end so don't worry
1: (laughs) (laughs) for a small fee (laughs) oh yeah yeah so so the property i hunt um there's actually a couple of them um i kind of we'll kind of get into this the the first property you know we can we can do that whenever you want but you know the one that i'm currently on it was just a staging area for heavy equipment um and basically osha training with machinery and testing grounds more or less kind Um, of like
0: an urban hunting setup actually
1: it is and it's 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 beneficial sometimes, and other times it's not um, and we will get into that a little bit more too, but, yeah, it basically was just a you know property, you know, um, some guys that come in there and just pour some trees down here and there, push some stuff around, and you know i I was told by um my father in law that I could hunt. And he said there's some big deer down there when they're running machinery, he Said don't seem to be bothered by them, and they just run all over. So yeah, I, I kind of went down there the first first year and you know, hung a few stands and jumped out and basically none of the stands were good wins. <laughs> Everything was <laughs> getting bumped or on my way in, on my way out. And I finally at one point was like, all right, well, maybe I'll just sit out and see what I can see and I think about. I think it was the first year I just sat out wide in the open, right on a pile of stumps and shot my first doe there. Yeah. And, you know, years of foul, same thing, pattern over and over and over to where they just walked across the same spot. You know, they headed out to food source from bedding to food source right in the evening. You know, almost to the fact where we could show up at, you know, 3.30 and by 4 o'clock, they're jumping across the logs right in front of you. So it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I didn't do a whole lot of food plotting the, the, the first year, um, it was just kind of, you know, just hunt, hunt as the the ground laid. Um,
0: what actually, I, I've, I don't know that I've ever actually really asked you, why did you start hunting? Because we didn't, I mean, growing up guys, we would ride BMX bikes in high school. We did all, I mean, we've done all kinds of things. We were big into CrossFit and, uh, I wish I still was after that doe <laughs> the other day. Cause I'm like dying, but, um, what, yeah, we, hunting was never really a part of our lives in, you know, since I've met you, what, what made you decide one day, Hey, I'm going to start hunting.
1: Well, kind of a few things that I don't know if you even knew this one, but, um, actually it was back in high school. Uh, one of our buddies, um, Scott, I mean, nobody will know him, but mm-hmm. Scott kind of, you know, was a, Buddy's dad said he had some, uh, you know, old archery, archery equipment. And he's like, yeah, you want to go have a shot at it? And I said, sure, sure. I will I'll give it a shot. And, uh, it was, uh, oh, I, I would say probably an eighties, uh, old bear bow, uh, solo cam, you know, or no cam. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up sitting down in the woods, you know, don't tell the DNR. <laughs> But I sat behind my parents' house and I was like, oh, hey, yeah, you just sit down here and shoot deer. Little did I know you had to have, you know, licenses and tags and stuff. No. So that ended real, that ended real quick. You know, that was one of those <laughs> things that, you know, he, the, the guy that gave it to me said, hey, you know, I've been getting out hunting or whatever. Did you get your archery tags? I said, huh? The what? Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I just didn't do enough research. You know, it was just like, ah, let's go shoot some arrows in my backyard and that. I did that, uh, I don't know, one or two times and, uh, you know, just wasn't for me. Yeah. You it know, just didn't, didn't feel fun or anything like that. Didn't have enough time. You know, I was always, I don't know how these hunters sit down here for, you know, eight hours still, That seems like a waste of time and all this, you know, this bad mouth. And it, you know, years later, uh, 2000, what 19, I want to say 18 or 19, something like that. Yeah,
2: somewhere around Um,
1: there. my wife, had mentioned that she really liked, you know, deer, deer steaks and deer jerky. And I said, well, maybe I'll get into hunting at some point. And, you know, we were talking and I ended up talking to my father-in-law and, uh, he was kind of the one that got me into it. He basically said, you want to go shoot deer, go sit out. I got stands already all set up, you know, go sit out over a cornfield. Nobody's hunted there for, you know, five, five, 10 years just stands people left over, you know, You know, he'd he'd let somebody go hunt for a little while and they'd just leave them, forget about them, and that was that. So, um, yeah, he brought it up and said, hey, go sit out and, yeah, have some fun. Go out there about 4 o'clock and they'll be feeding on the corn at 4.30. And, uh, you know, I did that the first time and it was the first time i ever seen a deer come up. And sure enough, what's the first thing I did was I heard him coming up, Turned my head completely around, <laughs> my whole body around, and took off. And I said, "Oh man, there are deer here. That's kind of <laughs> cool." And uh, yeah, it was a lot of uh, you know a lot of trial and error, but um, that was kind of one of the main reasons. Is I just you know it, there was some property to hunt, and he kind of told me go for it. And, you know, my my dad had actually my dad and grandpa have actually hunted you know their whole lives. My dad growing up. He hunted nonstop um you know deer pheasant, quail, all kinds of different stuff, and it was just one of those hobbies that we really never got into together um but obviously I mean when yeah that was that was years years ago, my grandpa couldn't go anymore, he kind of quit going um never really got me into it, but he you know had all the stuff um yeah. guns and you know he's kind of a gun hunter not archery, so yeah, um. Yeah, I kind of had to learn that one on my own but yeah it was you know you know just kind of word of mouth people tell me hey it's kind of fun go for it you know sit out in the freezing cold and shake until <laughs> it's great get some deer come up on you
0: <laughs> and then you're going to shake even worse and then you're going to try to shoot one with a bow
1: <laughs> exactly and yeah it was you know that's kind of going to the first property I hunted it was kind of over a cornfield everything was set in stone you know the the stands were there the you know basically the food plots were there everything was there except the knowledge i needed to know on how to shoot a deer kill a deer and not walk through a food plot and scare all the deer out every time i left right um so that was that was a fun one i basically took a deer parcel that they'd come out during the day and Uh, four or five times of me leaving the same way they were coming in and shooting them out of the field because you know I parked that direction yeah you know (laughs) that turned my parcel into a nocturnal uh, deer movement pattern real quick
0: right right so So, lesson learned so then you moved over to the one you're you're primarily hunting now so you kind of talked about the first year with that. You just kind of hunted it how it was. Um, and I mean, to be fair, uh those logs are fairly successful. If you wanna if you just wanna fill a freezer, I mean shoot, those things are about as money as if you go out five times, I would even say three times. If you sat that thing three That's days it. in a row, you would for sure you would for sure put a dough down. No question. Maybe
1: more. It's 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 a you know I don't want to say eighty percent, but I'll say it's it's close to eighty percent when you're sitting out there that you're going to see some movement, whether it's sixty yards or you know twenty yards, you should at least see something.
0: Yeah. So then, okay, Bruce comes into the picture, and then where did you start with food plots? Like, where did you even like? How did you find out about food plots? and kind of what resources did you first start learning from?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of one of those things. I mean, we both know each other, you know, whether it be, you know, BMX riding when we're younger, you know, CrossFit or weightlifting, we kind of, we get a niche for something and we go in 120% and what we eat, sleep, and breathe, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of, kind of what I've done the past couple of years with archery. You know, I ended up, exactly sure how I decided to to get a new bow I think I had a buddy let me borrow one and um oh no I bought I bought one I bought one from one of our buddies and shot that for a while and um I just thought it was really fun and I was like hey maybe I'll get a you know a little bit more updated technology and see what's out there to offer you know and um so I ended up getting a newer one and then I was kind of hooked from there. So kind of, you know, 110% into, uh, you know, the, the archery side of it, the bow side and technology side of it. And then I said, well, Hey, I got all this technology and got a nice bow, but do I know how to get deer? Do I know how to get deer Mm -hmm. into the property? And that's kind of what brought me to food plots and the land where I'm hunting. It's kind of just a pass through, I'll say. It's kind of a transition from bedding to a food source. Mm -hmm. And it's a safe transition for for these deer because there's no pressure and there's no stands along the way. At least there wasn't.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So I'd thrown some stands up and I said, you know, I need to get these deer to hold on the property a little bit more, especially during rut time and when it gets cold out because they're all up on the food plot or, you know, the cornfields, ag fields. And, uh, so I said, Hey, let's, let's start looking into food plots. And the first year I did it, um, just typical throw and go kind of one of those lesson learned, you know, didn't check the soil, didn't check, you know, no fer- fertilizer, no lime, just kind of said, Hey, this was, you know, down to dirt, might as well <laughs> throw some seed there, see what happens. I've seen seed, you know, grow through, you know, all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it did it did work. Um, Some of the stuff I planted on a hill, and it actually washed down to the bottom of the hill, and that's where it held all the turkey and all the deer, the yeah. whole entire. You know, every every time I was getting camera photos, it was down on the bottom. They're eating the seed, or you know, eating the, the brassicas or whatever was planted down there. How I, you know, it was one of those things. I just went to the store and filled up a bunch of bags full of random seed and threw them all down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, but now now it's kind of uh you know i've done a lot of stuff you know kind of a background on me i do you know cad work three modeling, and um, blueprint design and so first thing i did was do a 2d version of the you know the property with property lines and everything scalable so i could scale all the food plots and know exactly how much seed to get versus just throwing and going and mm-hmm. so this year and uh kind of somewhat of the last year I think towards the end um planted a little late last year but this year yeah you know did a lot more research and actually made sure I wasn't wasting fertilizer seed or you know stuff like that so
0: yeah because stuff's not that stuff's not exactly cheap no
1: it's not not super cheap no so then especially right now
0: what uh I think you were you planted mainly domain this year didn't you
1: yeah to be honest I kind of saw them as you know I want to be that person but you know I kind of like you know small companies or you know companies starting out and usually you get a lot more you know I don't want to say you know love in the game but it seems like you know it's not so like hey you know this pro shoots this and this pro you know throws this down and here you go. You know, some right. of that stuff, you know, is just you know, add another fifteen dollars to the mix just because you got a big name. Nothing against yeah. them. I mean, you know, same thing. If you own a company, if I get it. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of my reason to throw the domain down. And you know, I heard good things about them, and I actually did a couple test plots before I really threw it out. Um, I have some gardens, you know, near the house where I can kind of just keep an eye on. their, you know not to say it's the same soil, but you know, it's the same amount of rain and mm. you kind of get an idea on how they germinate in that and man, that stuff, it, it just took off, you know, no soil prepper whatsoever. I just kind of stomped the ground down and scuffed it with my boot and threw it down. Just like I I don't want to say just like I did down there, um, at the hunting property, but you know, it was a good way to see how well that works and that stuff just kind of blew up. And I said, Oh, this is it from now on versus, you know, yeah. they're kind of one of the cheaper ones, too, to where it's not like $40 a bag. You can get the same stuff for, you know, 15 to 25 bucks a bag. Right. A, you know, Container. So, so the, yeah, I've kind of kind of went with
0: them. Yeah. And they I mean, the pictures you sent me of the especially the stuff up by your house, like that stuff grew in fast and it grew in thick. Yeah. So there's really no reason to go anywhere else <clears throat> for that. Not, I mean, we don't have anything to do with domain. I would love to, but um, just what I've seen from just customers and then in person with your stuff, if you're looking to get into food plots uh, next season, I would, I personally would recommend them just from what I've seen from your properties. Um,
1: Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things too. And I will mention that, you know, I've used some of those other ones, the, you know, the name brand, I guess they're all name brand, but you know, the kind of more popular name. name brand ones. Yeah. And uh I will say they're a little bit more temperamental, meaning, you know, you gotta have your pH in the soil right, you gotta have the right fertilizer down and that domain stuff. I mean, yeah, you still wanna do the same thing, but it seemed like, you know, if I was off a little bit or didn't have fertilizer, didn't want to go in there to fertilize because it was too, you know, you missed the rain or whatever, it was too dry, then it didn't yeah. seem to affect it more more or less compared to the others. So
0: where were some of the places that you um kind of learned how to do all this stuff? Was it just on YouTube or? Yeah, so um,
1: you know the guy Jeff Sturges from Whitetail Habitat Solutions, you know, kind of watching a lot of his videos and stuff, and um, watching a lot of his, and then honestly, you know, as funny as it seems, you know, I I didn't know a whole lot, even living out where I am. I didn't know a whole lot about corn, corn harvesting and hunting grounds and, you know, tilling soil up and all this stuff, even though, you know, my father-in-law, you know, grows alfalfa and hay (laughs) fields and all this other stuff. It was kind of one of those things where I said, well, hell, I should at least know a little bit about that if I'm going to be planting, (laughs) you know, things like that. So I actually just YouTubed a lot of, um, it's kind of a funny one, but I think he's called the Millennial Farmer. And he's kind of a, you know, a guy our age and just starts his own farm or just kind of goes at it trial and error, just like everybody else. And, you know, learns from things and teaches. And it's kind of, it's, you know, kind of cool learning and actually, you know, knowing a little bit about, oh, okay, when are they going to cut the corn down so I can go out and hunt some of these fields? You know, (laughs) it's kind of like, I just waited for the dates. Now you can kind of plan a little accordingly if you know. Yeah. You no. Know, hey, it's going to be dry for a while. They're going to be harvesting.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: kind of YouTube more or less.
0: Yeah, I think I obviously because I have kind of cut my teeth and been been stuck on public land. I don't look too much into food plots, but I did go on like a YouTube. I went down the rabbit hole one time, and that Jeff Sturgis, um, he does have a lot of really good information. And um, the one thing you haven't done. And I'm kind of curious why you haven't installed any swimming pools for the deer like he's got. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you think you're gonna do on a serious note? I guess you don't so, really need to with that property.
1: So yes, I will say that um it was kind of, you know, one of those things where I just couldn't see spending uh however much those cattle cattle troughs are or whatever yeah. they are, but I mean, heck, they're a couple hundred bucks if you I mean, if not more, if you get a good size one and, uh, you know, kind of something that happened this last year, I was out with a, uh, Bobcat and I was just knocking down woods and knocking down trails and got a little deep in a few spots with the bucket and I noticed it when it rained and, Man, did I see a lot of you know tracks and stuff leading up to where that that little low spot filled up. Yeah, and that's what kind of got me into. Well, heck, there's no water source at the top of this, you know, top of this ridge. Man, I could bring a lot in, and you know, threw a trail cam up on that. And every time it rained and that filled up, I was getting turkeys, you know, bucks, spikes, does, and they were just going back and forth and hitting that, and then dipping back into the woods yeah so that might be something kind of at the top of the hill um where you know top of a ridge where there's no real water source i might be able to drag a few you know few ones in during the rut too yeah that watering hole so i might i might do something like that but i also don't understand i mean i know water will seek into the ground but i think there's some other you know things i can't remember the clay or whatever the heck they pour around the outer side of I mean, strip mines and stuff, you know, nobody's throwing, you know, liners in a strip mine. So, right. Why can't I dig a hole? (laughs) And that's one of those things I'll probably learn on my own. Why, why you can't do that, but yeah, so so that, that might be something I'll do.
0: I'm kind of curious. What are some things that you have learned so far this year? Um, Have you learned anything that you're going to do differently next year? in preparation um what's gone good and what's not gone well
1: yeah so stand um you know we have a prevailing northwest wind i found that out uh probably the beginning of this year right after we set all the stands (laughs) (laughs) and unfortunately a lot of my stands are set up for a south wind yeah and you know i'll say it's good in some cases and it's good in know not not in others because obviously during this whole route we've had a lot of northwest prevailing winds and so it's kind of one of those things where kind of a coin toss going in there or not and you know we'll get to that a little bit too i'm sure but um yeah so definitely i want to make sure i have stands set up for every wind direction you know like um uh, guy we followed you know john dudley obviously knock on saw a lot of his stuff you know he had a video that was have a b c d you know whatever plan not just an a or b plan and that's kind of you know going into this you know next hunting season i definitely want to do that i want to have a stand set up for every direction so i'm not just trying to play thermals you know and stands that aren't necessarily meant for a northwest wind right and um throw some more watering holes in there um otherwise i'll kind of a couple creeks where i could you know pull some water in towards the center of a little kill plot i have um that and honestly i might throw a couple more mock scrapes up surprisingly enough you know i didn't really think that it would do a whole lot but it has stopped a lot of deer so far on the ones that i do have it's kind of amazing things and you know seeing them use it just saying hey i put that stick there you know hour ago and now we already got deer <laughs> coming over and wondering what the heck's going on
0: it's crazy how quick they pick so, up on those things
1: it is it's kind of it is it is amazing especially you know the one time that watering hole came in there um that first rain it was like man i went up there probably two days after and there was tons and tons of tracks all around that it's like how do you guys know you know yeah that's gonna hold water there at some point it <laughs> just made the trail <laughs>
0: Well, and like <laughs> that one particularly this year, if you guys remember way back for for those of you who have been with me for the whole time here, I had the uh, protect your penis campaign because Tom and I both got <laughs> destroyed with poison ivy, and that was one of the things we did. I think we put up, uh, I think the 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 vine that we cut and hung for for a hanging limb. I think that was covered in poison ivy. But it was if like, not,
1: it was poison Ivy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we were sweating our butts off and like, Oh you yeah. Know, not worried about scent, nothing scent related. And like that, that thing had to stink like person and we hung it. And then it's like right away, there's, there's deer coming up to it within like an hour, like hours, wasn't it? Or oh yeah. Like, it
1: was, yep. It was right away. It was that, I think that day that they were, they were already coming over there you know rubbing on it
0: and i think it that has like, stunk man. it stunk like human and that's why i mm-hmm. i, I question so many things and that's why i mean you know i've we've we've hunted together a few times this year and why i have this like campaign against uh like camouflage because you know scent control is clearly there that's clear yeah yeah Tom, <laughs> unofficially sponsored by sika so tom's like tom is kind of like the uh antler and feather coat we have our semi our semi pro staff tom would be like the pro staff i think between me and him we would be the only and i'm out there in this like you know white tail white tails or what is it some some stupid brand uh plaid shirt plain green pants like the other day J- with champion. the champion yeah <laughs> adidas and fila um yeah i have like solid green pants. I, I had a dark brown Carhartt the other day and I had that doe like literally two feet from me and she's staring at me and nothing, you know, I just stood still and she didn't go anywhere. And I know she smelled me too. And it's like, it makes you question sometimes like we're like, Oh dear. So smart. And they are. Um, but they can also be so dumb. And I wonder how often are we giving them too much credit in certain areas? But as quickly as you would say that you then jump to your situation where that thing, when did you and took off? And like, there's no doubt in your mind that that's what it was. And it's like, Mm -hmm. so, so then how do they turn around and get on this stinky sweat covered poison Ivy branch an hour after we hauled it down and there they are, no problems. And it's just, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, (laughs) I wanted to kind of talk about, too, your uh, your trail cam strategy over your, your private land. You've kind of grown yeah. that over the last two years or so. I think you're running, what, 430 cameras on, like, 20 acres?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. Maybe four four acres, you know, 20 cams per acre.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah some, these, something like that. These deer aren't going anywhere. But, no, what yeah, is I, What have you, uh, what have you tried to accomplish with that? I know if anything, it's been a lot of fun to see the deer that have come through there. Um, but yeah, I, I want you to, you don't have to get into depth about like how you have them set up and stuff, but I really want to lead to talk about how you've used them and how you've created that elaborate spreadsheet that you created with all the data that you've collected from those.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of, again, you know, we all have families, you know, or, you know, loved ones that don't want us out for, you know, a week straight and not see us for, you know, 40 hours a week, but we're kind guys. of one of those things. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> kind of one of those things where, you know, you got three kids at home. I don't have all day to go out and sit in stands uh, as much as I may want to right now. Um, I'd much rather, you know, be at home with the kids and, you know, you know, help and watch, you know, watch them grow and having fun and stuff, especially during the week. And, uh, it was one of those things where, Hey, how can I put more hours in, not in the woods, but to make it beneficial for me when I go in the woods that I don't have to sit out there for a whole day, sit, you know, let's come rut time, you know, and take a day off here and there. Um, so, you know, the first few years, you know, I started with a couple trail cams and Oh, it was cool. To get a deer here, there. You know, every once in a while, and have to walk in trails. You know, spend time going in there, pulling the cards, formatting the cards, putting them back in, and it was just seemed like it was a lot of time for me. You know, spending going in there, and you know, not to mention how much scent I was laying down, and that was kind of one of the main things about the property I hunt is the only scent I wanted down there was outside of the woods, not in the woods you know, they're used to outside of the woods with machinery and diesel fumes and whatever. I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't throwing a bunch of, you know, sign down there without them, you know, catching me every single time. So I kind of grew my trail cams, got a couple more, a couple more stealth cams and, you know, uh, bad mouth and stealth cams, but, you know, I was buying the cheaper ones, but I did notice.
0: They suck. I mean, well three out of the five i (laughs) I was on public land i can say that they suck (laughs) (laughs) well three three out of the five i had down there i
1: was getting photos and some days i was down there sitting watching deer go by and i go check the trail cam to see what kind of deer you know or what you know hey let's go check the trail cam oh wait a minute i was down there the eighth there's no deer on this camera yeah and a lot of trail, you know, a lot, of, a lot of tracks I was seeing and stuff like that. And it was like, all right, let's, let's try and do something a little different here. And I actually reached out to a buddy of ours. Um, he mentioned that he was running some, these tacticams hmm And he also mentioned he was running some four or $500 cameras, which mm-hmm. I obviously wasn't going to do. So <laughs> I said, eh, when you I don't shoot... need pictures of deer that bad.
0: Yeah. When you shoot deer and have deer the size of his. I guess you, uh, that's,
1: that's understandable, <laughs> especially yeah. when you can judge, judge deer and you want to judge deer and watch, you know, watch them grow and get some high def photos. And oh, I yeah. will say, you know, it is nice having those high def photos. Oh, yeah. Um, but I kind of invested in the tactic camps and just here and there when I get time, you know, I go, go grab another one and throw it in the woods. Um, so over a couple of years, yeah, I, I had just basically every property corner, um, where I knew deer could get in easily because of trails I made there, there's stuff set up. Um, there's basically no way on or off the property without getting caught by one of my trail cams. And I can tell the trespassers I've seen the same thing. Cause
0: <laughs> I don't yeah. get them at one
1: end. I get them at all the ends, yeah. and on
0: the way to the end. And through So uh, you've had some ones that have taken side by side trips right on through. Yes. This that was like, correct. wasn't that right before the rut? That wasn't that long ago, was it?
1: Right before the rut. And I actually <laughs> sat down the bottom of the hill and waited till they came out. Didn't see them come out and drove around until I found them. And uh, yeah, lo and behold that uh, they had been told they could go down there at some point years and years ago. And apparently now they thought it was a good time to go back down there since somebody been doing a lot of work. So,
0: Hey, why not? You cleared plenty of trails for him to ride. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. One God. of those things. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, so I, I basically done that and you know, it's, you know, kiddos go to bed. I get a little free time. I can jot down, you know, trail cam, you know, weather, wind condition, temperature, barometric pressure, basically anything of that day I've been trying to categorize. All right there's a stand set up down here. I have a lot more coming through here in a Southwest wind. Well, it's perfect because they're not getting behind me on a Southwest wind. Um, so learning from them and, uh, you know, I kind of ended up re- leaving these run basically all summer. And you know, every once in a while I have to go down there, clean a few weeds that would blow in front of them. But that was my biggest thing that I learned from is yeah, you, you know, you're not going to see a lot of these deer come, you know, fall time when they transition, but it was pretty cool seeing what they do in the summer, and where they bed in the summer. And, you know, doe are pretty patternable down there to where, you know, they're going to bed in the same spots. It's thick cover. Um, they're not as temperamental as, you know, buck bedding. So it seemed like, hey, this is a good thing to learn from. And so I just kind of kept adding to it and man it's, you know, any chance I get to, uh, get another one of those cameras, I mean, it seems like kind of a excessive, you know, there's people <laughs> that don't have as many cameras as I do on 400 acres yeah. and uh, you know, it, it's a little excessive, but man, it, it does, it really, um, you know, sets a path down on to how they get from where they start from the bedding to out into the fields and on what wind conditions and what routes they take.
0: And yeah, I mean, it's really, pretty much, yeah. As you see, you've really yep. used, you've really used those, um, not just observationally, but like the the spreadsheets and stuff that you've made, you know. Yep. And you, you guys at home can learn from this too. If you're running trail cams on, um, your private land, even public land, if you want to get ballsy and not worried about getting them stolen, but you know, your spreadsheets, he's got like literally, it's every day, isn't it? or at least yeah, most sir. every days and tell them like yep. what all you have on that spreadsheet and then yep t- how you use that spreadsheet to help you decide when and where you're going to go hunt
1: yeah so i i kind of started doing this um more this year um but i have some footage from last year too which has helped a ton uh, mainly it was just when i saw bucks but this year's kind of been anything um So I kind of started the spreadsheet and labeled them, you know, camera per stand. And I have a lot of them just randomly set up too, where there's no stands just to kind of see where they're going and how they're getting in those places. Um, But I basically started off with the stand um, and then I have a direction of travel. So which direction they're going, are they heading east or west, north, south um, from known bedding or from food source, you know, it's kind of what, what that's documenting there for me, barometric pressure, wind direction, temperature was the main one, the high and the low of the day. And, um, I've kind of gone a little further to where, you know, I've gone through and highlighted AM or PM movement. So each one of those is a different color and not to say it really matters, but I had also done, um, weekdays or weekends. And I had done that because a lot of the machinery and stuff and the businesses where I'm kind of by, um, you know, they're running Monday through Friday. Right. So I kind of wanted to see what happens. And, you know, it's, I will say, a little better on the weekends, but not enough to not go down there during the weekday. Yeah. Um, and I kind of know when they're going down there to do work to kind of avoid that day or kind of coordinate, hey, you know, somebody can be down here excavating a bunch of stuff or, you know. And so I kind of, you know, basically documented all that stuff. And I mean it's it's plain and plain as can be, don't go down there in these winds because you're not going to see anything. Mm-hmm. And not to say you couldn't rattle something in during rut or pre rut, but it's it's more or less i mean my first my first sit down at the stand watching the camera footage, got the perfect wind first first time down there, shot the first doe, and you know we had gone a couple sits, i think after that, just here and there, and yeah, I mean it's not to say you haven't seen you you don't see anything you'll see deer, but may not be what you want, but I mean so far it's it's saved me a lot of time because I know. Hey, if I don't have a morning with this wind and this temp, probably going to be you know, no matter what the hunting apps say, you know, it's probably not going to be the greatest. Yeah. And you know, I do watch the hunting apps uh, a fair amount. I'll I'll say you know, I haven't dug into you know Spartan Forge as much as you have. Um, I've mm-hmm. kind of always been on the hunt the HuntWise train just because I started with it and yeah. I have all. My stuff, you know, pins and locators, and you know, I have all my um, uh, geo maps, all my uh, uh, Google Earth maps and stuff downloaded and uploaded into there for paths yeah. um, and trails. So it was kind of one of those things. I was just lazy; I didn't want to. You
0: know, well, that's really do the it. yeah. That's really the hardest part, and that was the the biggest hang up for me going to Spartan Forge um, was the waypoints. It's like, you know, you compile two years worth of waypoints and then you're going and you like you got to either try to move them over or, you know, in my case, I just kind of used both apps side by side for a little while. I mm-hmm. would use Onyx to kind of get in the area and then I'd mark it on Spartan Forge. And I really marked up a lot in Spartan Forge when I did get a chance to scout this year. But yeah, it that's the biggest hang up with it
1: but yeah yeah and it, it i mean i'll i'll say you know i'm not gonna talk bad about any of them i mean a hunt wise is a, a good thing and it's you know you get a hundred percent day yeah you'll see something it just depends on you also have to do your homework on yeah it's telling you you got good you know percent to see something but in what stand right and you also have to compare that to what you're getting on your trail cam too right yeah i know that you know, my wind direction's going this way and you can set your wind direction in that stand. So that kind of helps. But yeah, you also have to do your homework and say, all right, well, what am I getting on my, you know, real-time footage? What am I getting on my trail cam? Yeah. And kind of comparing those two together and, you know, along with the spreadsheet and stuff, it's, you know, it's kind of helped me a lot. It's it's actually really funny because I, I just saw a video that uh Exodus... Uh, I think it's Exodus trail cams Mm -hmm. a guy on there had kind of done the same thing he had ran over I want to say like 200 and something cameras and I mean he didn't have it documented near to what I have this one broken down to but he had it basically to where it was just buck movement so anytime he'd see daylight bucks and I mean that's a good thing across the board especially I think they're pretty close to us on where they're hunting so midwest area Mm -hmm. and uh you know he can tell you from you know october you know the end of october to early november you're going to get your you know pre-rut action or whatever going on and you'll start seeing some here and there but then you get november you know the weeks right now he's getting a lot of all the way to the 19th i think they said they were getting a ton of daylight movement yeah and uh you know going down that youtube wormhole uh i think right after that one another one of phil robertson Came up, oh, yeah. and he actually has handwritten books back from to the '80s on his duck hunting, when he's doing the same thing. He's jotting down the weather, yeah, and basically saying, "Ah, I know I can't go and shoot a bunch of ducks, or I'm not going to see many if I go into this wind." So, may not t- you know a lot of people do it, but man, I would suggest if you want to learn a lot about, you know, deer and what they're doing with you know plain weather, you know, jot as much as you can down for the day. You know, some of that stuff may not matter, you know, like the week, weekdays, the, you know, cold temps. Um, yeah, some of that stuff, you know, a lot of people I know swear by moon, moon phase. Uh, I just kind of go by what I see there, you know. Yeah. I see them moving these days and I see a lot of patterns a thir- under 30 degrees with a south wind. They're moving down here a lot, whether yeah. it be a week, weekday, weekend, you know.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, you're just collecting puzzle pieces and Uh you may not, you may not have enough of the puzzle together, even after one season to make it seem like it's worth continuing to to do. But I mean, once you get two years, three years in, maybe all of that initial information starts making a lot more sense. It's all, you know, it's an elaborate game that you've got to collect. Like I said, puzzle pieces from all over the place. And sometimes yep. it takes just one piece to make the other 50 make sense. So if you guys are going to be hunting private land and, and kind of doing the same thing Tom suggested, um, if you want to take it that seriously, um, be be steadfast with taking your notes. You may not think it makes any difference for the first half of a season or the first season, but you're going to be really glad at the end of season number two that you have all that information from season one that didn't make any sense. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of what you've started to see with what you've done. And it's, it is interesting. It's really cool to see. Cause like I said, me being a, you know, primarily public land hunter, I, I don't run cams cause I don't want to get them stolen. And you know, I'm busy. I can't be out there all the time. And so it has been fun to watch the stuff happen on your side and just how every little, every week, every two weeks, every three weeks, something else happens and you're like, Oh, Okay, like when you really start to pattern something, and I mean, that just makes it so much more fun because it's the hunt's fun, but I feel like it's also a lot of fun when you're you start figuring them out. You know, when you're not even in the woods, but you start figuring out these plans that start to make sense. And now I think you're kind of to the point where now you can really use that information. You might not have been able to use it last year, but this year you've really been able to hone in. Um, and kind of, you know, that helps, helps you decide what you want to do with food plots next year. What, what do you want to do different with food plots? Um, like you said, watching watering, natural watering holes, maybe next year, it makes more sense to put one up there. So Mm -hmm. one more thing before we we get out of here and I want to do more of a, I don't think anybody else is going to be able to do this. Maybe a few of you guys out there, but talk about your 3d topo map you've made. Like we said, guys, Tom's taking this very seriously, and you know his his actual job lends to this quite well. So this isn't something. Here's what I'll tell you. If you guys like what Tom's about to say and you don't know how to do it, I'm gonna do a shameless plug for Spartan Forge. They just released three d mapping. Um, it's really badass, and it's actually it's on your phone. It's not just on the online app. Um, it's really interesting to be able to see how your terrain rolls right on your phone in the woods. But how did you, what, what made you want to create your own 3d topo map um, of your property?
1: So that was one of those things where, um, you know, I have a little bit of land uh, that I hunt behind me. I mean, there's 400 plus acres that they're doing just as much, if not more than I am. And uh, my biggest thing was you know it's kind of a i don't know if it's if it's right or wrong but i kind of wanted to know hey what's your land look like back there with the topographical maps obviously i'm not going to go in there and trespass on somebody else's land right but i can make use of stuff that i have like google earth and historical maps and i can see you know not to get in too much detail, but, you know, in the fall, you can see a lot of exposed trails and and paths.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's kind of the stuff I jotted down to see more or less, hey, what are they using for trail systems back there that, you know, might benefit me pulling some of those deer my direction? Or, you know, basically trying to figure out, hey, if they're going to go in there in northwest wind, I'm going to go down in this stand because the deer are going to get pushed,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: if they don't shoot them. They're going to get pushed, you know, or, you know, kind of, kind of more or less playing, you know, kind of strategizing on what, what my game plan should be when, when to go in these stand locations and that. So, um, that was kind of the the main reason why I did it was to learn where they're bedded and why do I see deer at this time? Why do I see deer at midnight, but not in the morning? So where would they be coming from? And So Mm -hmm. I kind of started doing with that. And I said, you know what, I can't really, uh, as much as I'd done mapping and, uh, you know, uh, blueprint design and that, I didn't do a whole lot of civil. Now I did surveying, I did site surveying, uh, that was kind of one of my jobs, and then I did 3D laser scanning. So I kind of said, you know, this this would be something, wouldn't this be cool if I could do um, kind of tie those together and get a good view of what's back there without actually going back there and seeing, you know, hill, hill country back there, you know? And, uh, so, um, you know, kind of going back to my, my background, I was, you know, 3d CAD design, um, 3d modeling, rendering, and, uh, you know, laser point uh, laser scans. So point clouds. And so that kind of made me say, all right, well, let's learn topographical maps. It'd be really cool to know because obviously the best hunters look at a topo map before they do anything, before mm-hmm. they buy a property, before anything. Go to a topo map. They like the topo map, then they'll go to a, uh, you know, just a uh, Google Earth map and they'll see a top down to see what mm-hmm. they have in there for forestry, you know, so they have in there for, you know, coverage. And, uh, so, I kind of uh, kind of went that route and started basically pulled a um, scalable Google Earth image into my uh, program that I have. I use AutoCAD and pulled it in there, traced the lines, and basically what they call is extruding so you add a footage to each one of those lines and you keep doing this over and over and over for each each line a lot of civil maps are you know every 30 you know 30 foot spacing or every yeah i think it's every 30 foot spacing is this amount distance higher or lower so i just kind of stacked these lines up and up and up until it created a full 3d solid so i took the entire property from you know obviously i stopped where there was you know house and you know houses and businesses and stuff like that and basically used that as where i chopped my map off obviously you're not getting i mean you're gonna get some stuff in there, but nothing's gonna be bedded in there. So I use that as the outline and basically just kept building this map up and up until I made a 3D map of the entire property. Now I can go in there and pinpoint locations, you know, your benches, your saddles, your ridges, your, you know, areas of that I think I'm, you know, deer gonna bed, or here's some good stand locations. I rotate it back and I click the map back on. So I can see, okay, now this looks like a good spot, but there's already corn planted here. Or, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I shut the background off. So all I saw was the elevations and the ridges and everything like that. Put all these bedded, you know, points, you know, waypoints in there. Again, kick the map back on, and then you basically can narrow it down even further by saying, "Oh, I know nothing can get over here because you know that's a car path or there's a road going through there, and that's kind of what I did this this last year and i I will say the ones that I did go to that obviously are on my property um were solid betting locations, yeah. so you know, it's one of those things that like you know, a lot of a lot of good hunters you know they they know these things they've been taught these things they've learned top of maps they've learned you know geographical maps and all this other stuff I didn't it was kind of like a you know I won't say a trial and error but you know I've heard I have the resources to do something like that I'm gonna do it
0: and you were really bored at work so why not
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly burn some burn some time up
0: yeah No, it really, it really is amazing. I couldn't believe like when you, when you first sent me, when you first were like, Hey, I'm building a 3d thing. Like, I don't know what I had in mind, but you, you know, I, not that I doubted you could do anything, but I was like, I wonder what he's doing. And then you, you sent me that finished one. And I was like, what in the hell, how did you, how it's still like, even after you explaining it, it makes a little more sense. And like, I have just the, the slightest bit of, CAD knowledge um with my job, but it's it it turned out awesome. And not only is it just it was just cool to see, but like the way that you were able to use it, like I think it, you know, it it really like you said, put it put everywhere where you are you know, suspected good betting and then turn on the um terrain map or whatever you want to call it. Yep. And then narrow down like just how valuable how valuable that is and like That is a good thing for, um, guys that are, you know, trying Spartan forge that can't quite, I'm never going to be able to make my own 3d map, but those are things that you guys can do with the technology that these companies are making. Um, and it's made a lot of sense for Tom and it's, it's yeah, it's really cool. So I just, I thought it was awesome. And and I wanted to kind of talk about the process of how you made that. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty good place to to cut off here. We're we around in about an hour. Um, I think we've really done a good job of kind of showing for you guys that are going down the private land route. Um, there are a lot of things you can do. And it's, you know, it it's one of those things, like it's anything else in life or hunting related where it seems too big, it seems too scary, it's too much work, you don't know how to do it. It's really a matter of doing a little research and just going out and trying you may screw it up this year but then next year you're going to know better um and and you can kind of follow tom's progression and in two three short years you went from basically just a dough factory to now you're pulling in mature bucks and it's been a lot of hard physical labor um and a lot of of research but it is doable so if you guys are going down that route just go for it. Give it a shot. And you know, at the end of the day, any improvement you make big or small, it's still an improvement. So, Hey, so make sure. Yeah. Here, Tom is going to give us a one last minute (laughs) grunt demonstration. Hey, make sure you guys are following us over on Instagram. We're at antler feather co. We're also over on YouTube. That's antler and feather co with the and sign, no spaces. Um I still haven't figured out the perfect formula for how you can really easily find me on YouTube. I think they're trying to keep me off of it. But Antler Feather Antler and Feather Co, and sign no spaces. We're also on Facebook if you guys are over there. Um so hey, if you found value in this show, if you guys feel like you've learned something new that you can take into the field or the woods with you, I ask you please subscribe, follow, like, share, rate and review. Um especially on your podcast things if you guys are rating and reviewing that's allowing me to keep bringing great guests on here Um, and ultimately the information that we can get on this show is going to make us all much more deadly hunters in the woods so thanks again for tuning in this week we will catch you guys next week this is the antler and featherco podcast you are listening to the antler and featherco podcast